Chapter Fifteen of Through Fielding at Briarwood Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Through Fielding at Briarwood Hall or Solving the Campus Mystery by Alice B. Emerson. Chapter Fifteen: The Night of the Hippocrates. It was from Heavy Stone that Ruth first learned of an approaching festival, although her own roommate was the prime mover in the fete. But of late, she and Helen had had little in common outside of study hours and the classes which they both attended. Since the launching of the Sweet Briars, Helen had deliberately sought society among the APDs, and especially among the quartet who dwelt next door to the gems. And she is going to have almond cakes. She says she has an old nurse named Babette, who makes the most delicious almond cakes. Is that so, Ruth Fielding? Heavy had been enthusiastically discussing this subject with her nearest neighbor on the other side from Ruth, at the dining-table but ruth had caught the name of bet and knew that heavy spoke of helen cameron is what so she asked the plump girl why it's about your spoons box from home i told you you know to be sure and have the folks send you one but helen cameron's got ahead of you and whisper pursued jenny stone in a lower tone tell her not to invite too many girls to the night of harpocrates remember ruth was a bit puzzled at first then she remembered that Hippocrates was the Egyptian god of silence, and that his sign was a rose. The expression subrosa comes from that root, or under the rose. It was evident that there were to be midnight orgies, when Helen's goodies came from home. One of the quartets on the corridor had indulged in a fudge party after hours already, and Ruth had been invited to be present. But she found that Helen was not going, so she refused. Besides, she was very doubtful about the propriety of joining in these forbidden pleasures. All the girls broke that retiring rule, more or less, or so it seemed. But Miss Picolet could give such offenders black marks if she wished, and Ruth craved a clean sheet in deportment at the end of the half. She wondered how and when Helen proposed to hold the supper subrosa, but she would not ask. Not even when the great hamper arrived, being brought up from Lemerton by old Dolliver, who only drove his stage every other day to Seven Oaks at this time of year, did she ask Helen a single question. Tony Foyle brought the hamper up to Duet Two in the West Dormitory, and it just fitted into the bottom of Helen's closet. Heavy could not keep away from the door of the room. Whenever the door was opened and Ruth raised her eyes from the table where she was at work, there was the broad, pink and white face of the fat girl, her eyes rolling in anticipation of the good things. Mary Cox declared Heavy fairly drooled at the mouth. The arrival of the hamper was not unnoticed by the sharp eyes of Miss Picolet, but advised by the wily Miss Cox, Helen unpacked a certain portion of the good things and, during the afternoon, asked permission of Miss Scrimp to make tea and invite some of the girls to the duet to sample her goodies. The French teacher was propitiated by the gift of a particular almond cake, frosted, which Helen carried down to her room and begged her to accept. Helen could be very nice indeed, if she wished to be. Indeed, she had no reason to be otherwise to Miss Picolet, and the teacher had reason for liking Helen as she had shown much attitude for the particular branch of study which miss picolet taught but although most of the girls in the west dormitory and some others were asked to helen's tea and which ruth likewise did the honors and helped poor there was an undercurrent of choking and innuendo among certain of the visitors it showed they had knowledge of further hidden goodies which would at fit and proper season be divulged jenny stone gobbling almond cakes and chocolate said to ruth if this is a fair sample of what is to be divulged upon the night of Hippocrates, I shall fast on that day, now mind. When the girls had gone, Ruth asked her chum point-blank if she proposed to have a midnight supper. 
a regular debauch declared helen laughing now don't be prim and prudish about it ruthie i won't have it in here if you don't want why not demanded ruth quickly don't think of going to any other room well i didn't know stammered her chum you being such a stickler for the rules ruth you know if you should get in trouble do you think that i would complain asked ruth proudly don't you trust me any more helen oh ruthie what nonsense cried her chum throwing her arms about ruth fielding's neck i know you'd be as true as steel i did not think the suggestion could have come from your own heart helen declared ruth so the second night thereafter was set for the subrosa supper slyly the chums borrowed such plates and cups as the other girls had hidden away not a few quartet rooms possessed tea-sets they being the joint possession of the occupants of that particular study at retiring bell on this eventful night all things were ready including a spirit lamp on which to make chocolate hidden away in helen cameron's shirt-waist box ruth and helen went to bed after removing their frocks and shoes only and waited to hear the cheep cheep of miss grimm's squeaky shoes as she passed up through the house turning down the hall lights and then went down again the hour for the girls together was set for half-past ten first of all however the fox was to go down and listen at miss picolet's door to make sure that she had gone to bed then miss cox was to tap softly but distinctly at the door of each invited guest as she came back to the corridor meanwhile helen and ruth popped out of bed it had been hard to lie there for more than an hour waiting and began to lay out the things the bedspreads were laid back over the foot of each bed and the feast was laid out upon the bedclothes mary cox warned them to have the spreads ready to smooth up over the contraband goodies should the french teacher get wind of the orgy forewarned is forearmed urged mary cox we know what old picolet is but forearmed doesn't always mean four-handed chuckled jenny stone nor crotumanus snapped the fox if you had four hands heavy there would be little chance for any of the rest of us at helen's party my goodness me how you would mow the good things away if you had four hands instead of two it isn't that i'm really piggish complained miss stone it's because i need more nourishment there's so much of me you know mary and if you hadn't been stuffing yourself like a strasbourg goose all your life there wouldn't be so much of you ha it's the old story of the hen and the egg which was here first if you didn't eat so much you wouldn't be so big and if you weren't so big you wouldn't eat so much all this however was said after the girls had begun to gather in number two duet and belle tingley who had drawn the unlucky short toothpick was banished to the corridor to keep watch but with a great plateful of goodies and a golden goblet used in the hazing exercises filled to the brim with hot chocolate though if miss picolet is awake she'll smell the brew and will be up here instanter declared the fox crossly as belle insisted in having her share of the drinkables as well as the eatables miss picolet was forgotten in the fun and the feasting however there were twenty girls in the room and they had to sit on the floor in two rows while ruth and helen passed out the good things and my they were good lovely chicken salad mayonnaise served on a fresh lettuce leaf the lettuce being smuggled in that very day in the chum's wash-basket a little dab to each girl there were little pieces of gherkins and capers in the mayonnaise and harry revelled in this dish the most delicious slices of pink ham between soft crackers and other sandwiches of anchovy paste and minced sardines these were the solids cakes sweet crackers babette's cookies and lady fingers were heaped on other plates ready to serve my exclaimed luella fairfax isn't that layout enough to punish our poor digestive organs for a month the last time we were caught and brought up before mrs tellingham she warned us that sweet cake and pickles were as immoral as yellow-covered novels and she proved it too laughed the fox she declared that a girl or woman without a good digestion could not really fill her rightful place in the world and accomplish that which we are each supposed to do 
Oh, the madam always proves her point. And I was sick for a week afterward, sighed Luella, and had to take such a dose. At that moment, without the least forewarning, there came a smart rap on the door. The sound smote the company of whispering, loving girls into a company of frightened, trembling culprits. They hardly dared breathe, and when a commanding rap came for a second time, neither Ruth nor Helen had strength enough in the limbs to go to the door. End of chapter 15 Recorded by Julie Niedermeyer